this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. It's Tuesday, 1 November in the year of our Lord, 2022. We're going to start off today in the great state of Arizona, the railhead of the MAGA movement and Congressman Andy Biggs from Arizona 5. Congressman Biggs, uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for joining us. I, want, I know we got a lot to go through, but I want to ask you first, give us a sense of where Arizona is right now, sir. We see that uh, a lot of polls are coming out. There's a poll this morning from uh, Phillips Academy has Cary Lake up 11 points. Blake Masters literally tied with Mark Kelly. With the, That's even before the Libertarian threw in the towel last night and endorsed uh, Blake Masters. What's your sense of your race, the rest of the House races, and where we stand in the Senate and the statewide races in your best judgment? Well, I think uh, in the House races, uh, Arizona will be at least 6-3 and has an actually uh, a, a, a decent shot to go 7-2. So that would be taking uh, CD4, which is the Stanton seat right now. It would be taking uh, up north in Arizona uh, that's currently held by O'Halloran and then the seat being vacated by Ann Kirkpatrick, who's retiring. So we'll go from being four five, four Republicans, five Ds, to being at least 6'3", possibly 7'2". I do think Blake's going to win. I think um, uh, that, that the Libertarian dropped out. He was polling about five or six. I think that he was going to shift about two or three over to Blake. I think that the other two or three probably won't even vote. And Carrie Lake's going to have long tails. Steve, you know that. She is doing great. And um, the separation between her and the Democrat is increasing daily. And I think that um, uh, that bodes well for everything all the way down uh, to the uh, Corporation Commission, the, the school boards, uh, the, the state legislature, uh, all, all of these things that are so critical, the water board, all of that, I think uh, long tails coming from Kerry Lake uh, at this point. Let me ask you on the seven two. What's that? What's that? Give us the Andy Biggs take on that seventh seat because that that's kind of blockbuster news to go from four five, particularly given twenty twenty to to seven two. That is a massive pickup. What, what's that? What's the seventh seat that you're calling potentially right now? It's Congressional District 4. That's got Tempe, uh, West Mesa, Central Mesa. Uh, it's currently held by Greg Stanton, uh, who's the former mayor of Phoenix, but he's been in for four years. Uh, but that race has moved from uh, uh, basically a Democrat lock tool. Uh, today, it is now a toss-up race. And Kelly Cooper is the Republican, wow. and he's working hard, uh, working very, very hard, as hard as anybody in the country that I've seen yep. this year. And, uh, uh, you know, with it, with the right break, uh, the, and the coattails of, uh, Carrie Lake and, and even Blake moving in now, I would say, uh, it's an even shot that he, that, uh, Kelly can win that. You do know when this happens, that sends a, uh, a shockwave through the democratic party. Look, we have a unique opportunity nationwide to shatter the democratic party as a national political institution. 
force them really into the coast and to the university uh, towns throughout the nation. But if Arizona, if if that came true, given what happened on the election night in 2020, that would be nothing short of massively historic. You agree, uh, Congressman Biggs? Hundred um, percent. It, it was. Uh, I I was not even expecting that. If you had asked me six months ago, or even even 30 days ago, I, I believed that there was a chance, an outside chance. But now I say it's even. Look. The, Steve, I would tell you that I think the Democrat Party is, is uh, almost gone the way of the dodo already. Uh, it's been such a realignment since the Trump MAGA movement, as you know. And so now the party of the elite coastal uh, folks is the Democrats. And, and the only places in the mid- middle is, are going to be the big cities. Everywhere else, including the suburbs, are going to break uh, ultimately to to republicanism and and that's because people want to be free they want to be independent they want to be uh they don't want the crazy wokeness in their kids they want them taught well not indoctrinated they understand the crime they see the gas prices they see the the, the uh, inflation they see the border wide open they see us weak on an international stage all the things that people don't really pay attention to are now slapping them in the face because it is so real. Uh, all these things are palpable and a part of their lives now. And they can, they, while many people haven't focused on this yet, as everybody starts making the connection, I think it'll impact the, the Democrat party in a way that's seismic. See, people misread, we were deeply involved in the Youngkin situation in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I'm from Virginia. It was, uh, although people know, Youngkin's not my cup of tea. But it was a combination of the populist nationalist MAGA movement with the parental rights, what I call the suburban moms and dads, many of whom, if you mention Donald Trump's name, they spit right on the floor. That combination is two thirds of the American people, 70 percent of the American people. And you have a lot of moderates, a lot of even Democrats, a lot of independents and the parental rights are just saying and also the injections are sitting there going. I call it the three eyes, Cortez, inflation, immigration and injection. They don't want to talk about it. They're afraid of being, you know. bothered at work, but man, that is a right below the surface. That is boiling. That's why we're in play in Connecticut two, Connecticut five, Rhode Island two. I mean, New England right now, Congressman, we could That's flip the, the entire house just with the pickups in New York state. I mean, this is, people are like, they're freaking, the Democrats are freaking out because they've overplayed their hand so well. And I, I think they're going to go like to the, I think they're going to be like the Whigs before the civil war. It's just a party that existed, was very powerful. And then went away. And remember, the Democratic Party has been around essentially since, you know, close to the founding of the country when, when parties first came up. But I want to go to this thing of accountability because you're you're a very you and I have hung out a lot. You're a very tough hombre. We always look to you for prosecutorial opinions and 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 and, and investigations and things like that. The Atlantic had this article uh, uh, by an economist that said, hey, you know, maybe upon further review, we should just have an amnesty on everything related to uh, COVID-19, the lockdowns, the mass mandates, all of it. Uh, what is, uh, Congressman Biggs, do you have any thoughts about that? Because I know the investigation is going to be a very big part of the uh, of the coming new Congress. Yeah, Steve, first of all, um, yeah, we have to investigate Fauci Burke's. China relationship, the fact that we're still funding, uh, uh, according to some reports, uh, ch- uh, you know, gain of function uh, elsewhere and actually in, in the United States at one university. We've got to get to that. But you, but this amnesty business, 
this amnesty business is basically the left saying, hey, no harm, no foul. Um, but there was a massive amount of harm. And I was just jotting it down while I was waiting, Steve, to come on with you. And I mean, I want you to think about that. They changed the voting rights um, over this. They, they changed our civil liberties. They shut down small business in favor of big business. They, they shut down churches and synagogues in favor of strip clubs and uh, uh, liquor stores. They told us that kids, we, they say, well, we didn't know much about it. Yeah, we did. We knew a lot about it. We knew that the elderly were especially vulnerable, and that's who you should protect. But instead, uh, Cuomo in New York actually put them in more harm's way. We let these people die. People die all over the country, uh, alone, afraid, and in despair. What, what are they talking about? We told kids, you can't come to school, even though we knew kids had almost no impact whatsoever from the COVID. And what, what do we have now? Mental illness uh, uh, going through kids like crazy. We have, uh, we've lost two or three years at least of education. Uh, and we've damaged that, the, that, that, that young generation. Look, you, we, we said, look, we're going to allow rioting and BLM and Antifa to come out and, and, and rattle our change and scare the crap out of people and burn down buildings. But if you went to a Trump rally, you were going to be ostracized. We, we saw the hypocrisy of you and me being locked down, but Newsom sitting in uh, the French uh, uh, laundromat, whatever that was, French laundry restaurant, and then, uh, you know, people going on vacations, all these elected officials from the left, and we went to proxy voting. We fined members of Congress if they, if they took off a mask on the floor, even though nobody else was on the floor. We changed this, the fundamentals of this country, and uh, I, I don't know how soon we're going to get back our civil rights. I don't know how soon we're going to get back to this, this science-based um, uh, uh, knowledge that we used to have that, that was we just caved in on everything. And, and for them to say, oh, yeah, well, let's, let's just, you know, let's let Fauci go. He didn't do anything wrong. Let's let Burks go. They didn't do anything wrong. Let's let the people go who abused us and uh, basically have inf inflicted a generation at least of harm on this country. Um, uh, let's go ahead and let them go uh, with their riches and, and let's not worry about it. I find that absolutely sick and offensive. Of course, it was the Atlantic Magazine, which is the intelligentsia of the left's, you know, it's the conventional wisdom from the, from, from the intelligentsia of the left. Um, right. How would you go, we got a couple of minutes, how would you actually go about this in Congress? We're gonna have a new Congress and, and on the 14th, uh, Judiciary and Oversight are gonna have a joint press conference to lay out a framework, I think, going forward about Hunter Biden, right? Not, not what they've done to date, but it's really what's going forward on, on Hunter Biden. This is Jordan and, uh, and, and Congressman Comer. How would you, and given the scale of what we just talked about, and clearly the Atlantic's trying to run a trial balloon, right, for among even the Republican elites to say, hey, 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 let's back off of this thing, right? Let's not get nasty. Uh, how would you, what's the framework that Andy Biggs would look at of how we proceed forward? Well, the first thing you do is is, is you identify um, the personnel that drove us off the cliff, and that would be Fauci and Burks, right, right there. That'd be uh, important to get to them. The CDC, with their myriad up and down, contradictory statements, 
you know, and then and then you and, and then what you do is is you take the evidence that we have. I mean, I, I got thrown off TV. So, you, but of, my point is, you 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 would start you would start with the administrative state aspect of the federal government. Absolutely. You would start there with the administrative absolutely. state, the the institutional. And then the people driving the institutions and you do not a political witch hunt, but literally just let's get down and find out. Let's go but like they did the Pearl Harbor Commission and other things. Let's get down to the bottom of this and find out exactly what went on. Yeah, I mean, that's right. So so we want communications. We want we want to know what their objectives were, why there were so many uh, mixed mixed signals coming from somebody like a Dr. Fauci over mask. You want that's where you have to go and find out. Uh, why were you not listening to studies uh, with regard to elderly? Why were you attacking the elderly in the way you did? And why did you go to the kids when there was already active studies indicating uh, little impact uh, to and from uh, and transmission from children? Um, you know, what, why did you do? Why did you do these things? We and we have to get to the bottom of that. Not not in a witch hunt fashion because it won't be a witch hunt. This is going to be um, a much more a re- reasoned and rational approach than uh, what we saw from from uh, you know the crazy colleagues that we have like in in Maryland Raskin or or the J6 committee where they have something in mind already. I think what we have to do is say, tell us about what's gain of function. Why were we funding it? Why why has that al- always been off limits? And and uh, and why did you do it anyway? And I think that that it will be incredibly revealing. Uh, to the public, it's kind of going to be kind of like a church commission, or uh, as you say, a, a, the a World War II uh, commission as well, where you look at back and you say, "Let's let's do an after-action investigation, find right. out why, what, and then how do we never and, repeat?" And, and it makes the. It, by the way, it's it's educational. Uh, it's for the future. But it also yes. holds the institutions. Uh, and by the way, you make changes and what you have to change, but it also holds institutions accountable. And it holds the people accountable if they if there are individuals that come out in that and that and you got to do it. You know, it's got to be a commission with the ranking. Uh, the committee's got to have a ranking member. It has to have minority council have to do the whole thing. Right. Absolutely. So people can cross examine witnesses, all that you can't. Well, and American people can't feel this is political. Yeah. And Steve, your your witnesses would have an opportunity for counsel as well. And you do it openly and transparently. None of this behind closed door business where you where you hide this from the right. public. No. Let's let's have it so the the world can see um, uh, America's stronger for that when we do that. We're less strong when we hide stuff, but we're much stronger when we open it up. Congressman Biggs, how do people uh, follow you on social media? How do they find out more about you, your office, and your campaign? Yeah, BiggsforCongress.com, uh, at Rep. Andy Biggs, um, uh, and at Rep. Andy Biggs AZ. And so those are the ways you find me. Um, and uh, uh, we'll we'll get to the bottom of this, Steve, uh, for sure, for sure. Oh no, this is gonna we're gonna spend a t- we're gonna spend a ton of time on this, Congressman Biggs. Very opening, g- great opening on this. We're gonna spend many many days, weeks, and months ahead on this. Thank you very much. Appreciate Thank you. Take care, man. In fact, we've we've reached out. Mike Davis is gonna join us here in a second, but I want to stay in Arizona just for a minute because another big story. Uh, John uh, Yep. Uh, from uh, John, walk through because I want you to tell the name of your organization. And the Bishop of uh, Arizona has now, I think, said uh, you don't have the rights to that name. You got to give it back. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that your group that's trying to get people to vote that are Catholic, um, you know, had a uh, had a, a conference of which Mike Flynn and Steve Bannon 
who are both Catholics spoke at. So, John, yeah, tell me what the bishop in Arizona is trying to do with your group. Thanks for having us on. Uh, we are Catholics for Catholics. Uh, we began here in Arizona, and it, it, it wasn't just one bishop. It was the Arizona Catholic Bishops Conference, right, who issued a statement uh, um, basically saying that we we and other groups don't have the right to use the word Catholic, which is ironically funny, the timing of it, one week before the elections. And yet there's groups that have been walking around doing their own thing that have been like Catholics for choice. And they've never been challenged ever before. So, and 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 I thought that the, one of the things about their 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 essay, that what they wrote, is that they said we have a long tradition in the Catholic Church of having our faith influence our political views. And when you switch it, implying us, we switched it. We're outside church teaching. Which it's it's Steve. It's a they're, they're quoting Canon Law two one six, you know, and we're going to fight it. We have the legal backing uh, of our, our Canon lawyer to, to know we have the right to use that name. But if you want to quote Canon Law, I mean, back at them, Canon Law nine one five specifically states any politician who manifestly is in grave sin should be barred from the community. That's Joe Biden himself, the president. Look, look, here, here's the thing they did. Yep. Uh, and, and this was perfect. Catholics for Catholics. You're trying to, the point you're making is that the democratic ticket here, and I come from a family of Democrats, right? Years ago, decades ago, the, 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 the ticket out here in Arizona that is pro abortion, you know, uh, pro the radical, uh, gender ideology, agenda, anything you put that's just so radical, the democratic ticket is basically made up of quote unquote Catholics. Your point is, hey, we'd like to have some real Catholics uh, out there, and we want to have a group that exposes people that the the people out here on the left have been using the Catholic name forever with all these groups, but the Catholic bishops just decide upon further review because your group is actually getting traction and starting to get people to to wake up to the fact exactly what we're talking about is Catholics in the in the public square. All of a sudden, they they want to take your name away. Is that essentially the case they're making? That's it. It makes no sense. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this. We're just normal dads who are, who are putting our other work aside to get to say this because no one else is saying it. They've been silent on this, and they can say, "Well, we don't want to get, we shouldn't get political." Yet this is the same Arizona Catholic Bishops Conference that came out and officially endorsed two propositions which are go against conservative values. Now we can debate about whether that's right or wrong, but the fact is, they came out in a political move. So to come out and say that, it's it's just. It's a non sequitur, um, Steve, and we're doing this because we love our faith. Let's, we, it's, yeah. But talk, talk about the two propositions. Well, the, let's see. Let's see what they are in their actions. What two propositions do the Catholic bishops uh, support? Uh, three hundred eight and two hundred nine. Um, now, I'm more versed on three hundred eight, which basically is essentially that we're going to, um, if it's approved. We would have to provide, um, you know, funds for people who are not um, citizens of this country, and we would pay for their in-state tuition to the universities. Now, that all that's going to do, obviously, is, is foster illegal immigration. Now, they've come out, you know, in favor of that. We should accept that. We should pay for all their thing. But, you know, this is the same group that basically they're one of their uh, their organizations, Catholic Charities gets a check from the government for every head that comes in uh, from a legal immigrant. So, of course, it's in their, their vested political interest to be in favor of this open borders. But they're not, they're not the one who has kids who try to go trick-or-treating and have to worry about their kids getting fentanyl in, in the candy next door. They don't have to worry about that. We do. 
Before we let you go, because the, the group is pretty impressive, I know you're you're rolling out nationwide. Catholics for Catholics. What, what is the raison d'etre? What what is the thesis of why you even had to have this new group come up and why it started in Arizona? The it's a battle of ideas right now. What is a what is a woman it was a ter- terrific documentary that Matt Walsh did. We're fighting over the word Catholic. We are going to reclaim the word Catholic specifically as it applies to the public square. And we have to be courageous and go at it. It's time to have a discussion. When you have five of the most important races in Arizona, from governor, secretary of state, and two key congressional races, all have Democrats who say they're Catholic, but they're not. They go against core issues. It's time to bring it up and realize that the likes of Mark Fincham, who's not a baptized Catholic, he's more Catholic than them. And so our vote, which determines elections, we need to motivate those people to realize that. So this is not just an ancillary issue. Katie Hobbs, Katie Hobbs is just not a Catholic. Katie Hobbs, I think, is was Catholic educated all the way through grammar school. I think even through high school. Katie Hobbs is a is was not just uh, raised a Catholic and and, and baptized a Catholic in, in the church. She's educated in Catholic schools and, and is very proud of that, right? I, and I would I, respectfully submit that a lot of her policies are not exactly what you think is standard Catholic teaching. Correct. No. First off, every every pay campaign stop that we did, went on in the morning show, every campaign stop she makes, which is not a lot, everyone's at a Planned Parenthood, and there's not a more radical Planned Parenthood in the country than Arizona. It's the most radical of all the Planned Parenthoods. So how does that work? Yep. How does that work? It's it doesn't work. That's the problem. It's like they're not even, they're not even American. How can you favor of killing babies after they're outside the mother's womb? What what is that? Right. So we're just a group that's basically going to say the emperor has no clothes on anymore. We're going to call it what it is. And we're doing it most importantly because we love our faith and we love our country. John, yep, you went and you, you hit the tripwire of the Catholic bishops of Arizona. How do people find out more about you? How do they follow you on social media and how do they get to Catholics for Catholics? I do believe that this will be a national organization pretty quickly, sir. We are so uh, grateful that you showed up. You made the night. when we. Uh, no one knew that you were coming, but when I got to say from stage that Steve Bannon was in the room, uh, the applause was thunderous. So let everyone know that. We, well, Catholics, we support Steve Bannon. But C4C.com. C, letter C, F-O-R-C.com. John, yep. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you for coming. Thanks for fighting. Yep. I want to go now to Mike Davis, the great Mike Davis. Uh, Mike, you heard uh, Andy, Andy Biggs there. Before, I, I, I want to get about your essentially crusade to take on big tech. And there's a lot of things happening, this DHS report, all of it. But I want to, I want to ask you about uh, what Andy Biggs said about the uh, Atlantic piece, where the Atlantic is saying, hey, you know, uh, a lot of stuff happened, but maybe we should just all have amnesty and a big group hug. You worked for Grassley for a long time. Do you, do you do you see that happening? Do you do you, do you see everybody saying, "Yeah, you're right. We'll just forget 2020 and 2021, and let's just move on." Uh, heck, no, not at all, not a chance. You're going to see uh, when Republicans take back the Senate, you're going to see Senator Rand Paul doing aggressive oversight over this. Uh, he's going to look at uh, COVID's birth, how Tony Fauci funded. COVID's birth in the Wuhan lab. He lied about it. He covered it up. It caused uh, catastrophic consequences around the world. It caused trillions of dollars in damage. It killed millions of people. It destroyed our lives. There there has to be a consequence to this. And we saw how the Democrats 
took advantage of COVID for power. They, they unnecessarily closed down schools, these unnecessary science-free COVID measures that they took to, to allegedly protect us from COVID. They, they should have known uh, early on that these measures were unnecessary and the cure was so much worse than the disease. So we have to get to the bottom of this. They can't just, they can't just destroy two and a half years of our lives and have no consequences. We're going to talk in a second about the big tech aspect in DHS, but when you look at this concept of um, of uh, the administrative state, isn't the way isn't one way to go about this is to look at the administrative state part of it, to look at the bureaucracy, to look at the special agencies, to see the responsibilities, and really make it as educational for the American people as possible. It's obviously a serious investigation. Individuals who made those decisions will obviously be front and center. But this is this is even bigger than individual choice. This is about the institutions themselves and how they've either been corrupted or just turned into kind of incompetent bureaucrats. Do you think that that is an angle of attack to go after the administrative state on this part? Absolutely. We saw that the CDC, Tony Fauci, as the chief medical officer for President Biden, working with the CDC, they, it was corrupt. They, they know that these schools and uh, many other institutions around the country, around the world, followed the CDC's guidance. And that CDC guidance was corrupted. We saw the teachers unions uh, working with the CDC to keep schools closed on necessity. I tell you, we just, uh, Mike just froze right there. Let's go ahead and go. We're going to take a short commercial break in uh, in a minute. We're going to come back and we're going to reboot. Let's reboot Mike and we'll get him back here through the uh, through the commercial break. Uh, we're going to go. Uh, we're talking about investigations. Remember, everything is focused. That's why we had Biggs and John Yep in Arizona. John Yep's group, uh, Catholics for Catholics, is, is a new group that's set up to get Catholics engaged in the political process as an educational opportunity to educate them about Catholic doctrine and what it takes to get involved. Andy Biggs is the congressman out there. Andy Biggs, kind of some blockbuster news. Andy Biggs says we're going to go seven and two in House seats. That means, I think, three pickups. It's four and five. Uh, four, Yeah, it's four and five right now. He's predicting a seven and two, including a big victory in Tempe in, uh, in CD4. Uh, and then uh, Mike Davis, we're talking about the investigations that are going to happen once we take the House. This investigation, very deep investigation to the CDC, FDA, all of it about the lockdowns, the masks, the vaccines, all of it. Okay, we're going to reboot Mike over the break. We're going to take a short commercial break. Mike Davis will return. Also, we have Darren Beatty. Stay tuned. You're watching The Word. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger, better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. 
They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. WARROOM BATTLEGROUND. With Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we had technical problem with Mike Davis. Uh, can't get him back up. It keeps freezing. So I want to go to Darren Beatty. Darren, Revolver's been all over this. And I'm going to get to the Brazil situation in a second. I want to talk about this DHS. This is a blockbuster lawsuit. And, and what's coming out is even scarier, I think, than people imagined. I want you to walk through the audience of how what exactly is going on and they've uncovered and then going forward because we've already got the announcement that the first thing they're going to do on the 14th is a shot across the bow. When we come back from the lame duck, Comer and oversight and, and Jordan in, uh, in judiciary are going to have a joint press conference and talk about the, the structure of the Hunter Biden investigation going forward. Walk me through this, this blockbuster at a DHS, you've been warning the country about this ever since Revolver News got up. But I, quite frankly, I don't think anybody was prepared to see what's been exposed so far just in the early stages of this lawsuit, sir. So there's a lot to unpack in this important story. There's the broader context, and then there's the specifics of this story. And so I think we'll start with the specifics of the story. Basically, great piece of journalism at The Intercept. They caught the government red-handed effectively colluding with various big tech organizations um, to censor and manipulate speech online, in particular at Twitter and other places. Um, there's no other way to put it. They're caught red-handed in emails and draw attention to just the most explosive revelations. And so one revelation was a text message, I believe, from a Microsoft employee who lamented that the big tech uh, uh, people weren't sufficiently compliant as of that time 
to government interference and they needed to become more accustomed to the idea that the government's going to take a more active role in managing quote unquote misinformation and disinformation which anyone who's been following revolver knows these are the new censorship predicates du jour it's not enough just to shut someone up and shut someone down by calling them racist now you use a term like disinformation and you attach to it the uh, suggestion that they're a national security threat and therefore it needs to be shut down on a national security basis. Um, there was another uh, official who basically said, look, we need to operate through various cutouts so it's not so transparent that it's actually the government meddling in speech, that it's not a violation of the First Amendment. So they're very aware of the new censorship architecture that goes on, particularly with respect to the internet, is that the government isn't acting directly. They're acting through these intermediaries. And by doing that, they preserve the pretenses that they're upholding the First Amendment when, in fact, it's anything but the case. There's an architecture set up to provide the false assumption that the government isn't involved, we know they are. And so um, these leaks, and a lot of it is non-public information, which is what makes this latest piece so explosive, uh, really show that the government is taking active steps. And in fact, one thing that ties in, another thing that ties into Twitter, so Vijaya God, or whatever her name is, she's out of there, thankfully. She made the decision, she basically made the call to uh, deplatform the sitting president of the United States from his uh, chief um, vehicle for communication, which was Twitter. She made that call. She's fired now. She was on the board of one of these organizations housed in the DHS that would have taken a more proactive role. And again, managing narratives and quote unquote, censoring what they consider disinformation. We know from other documents coming out, what is it that they actually consider disinformation? Revolvers reported on this. This is from other leaks and other things that come out. There are three things that they were especially interested in shutting down conversation about. Number one, and you won't be surprised, anything involving election integrity. Anything involving the election, they want total control over information flows up to the government level. This is the not just the Biden administration. A lot of this was happening under Trump, which is remarkable. And I'd like to explore the significance of that in a bit. So number one, no talk about the election, nothing that deviates from the official narrative. There's been no meddling in the election. Of course, the beauty part about this is that this very act of collusion is itself meddling in elections by prohibiting discussion of it. So that's one, no meddling in elections. Number two, of course, can't talk about January 6th. And that's, of course, uh, related to that. No meddling elections, can't talk about January 6th. Number three, again, it's not going to shock people. You better shut up when it comes to COVID. You better shut up and do what Pfizer tells you to do and say what Pfizer tells you to say. They're absolutely dedicated to managing information flows about COVID. In fact, a DHS report that came out earlier suggested that a huge elevated terror threat was based on misinformation circulating around COVID. So if you're skeptical about the vaccine, if you're skeptical of, about the lockdown, any other aspect of COVID, you're a domestic terrorist from the standpoint of the DHS and Biden regime. And there's an official you know, coll collusion organization, official, basically a cabal, what else can you say, 
um, between sort of civil society, NGO cutouts, big tech, and an, an, a censorship extension arm within the DHS. So basically this shows that disinformation governance board, that was just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, oh. Tip, but but hang on, hang on. I just want to put it. Give me a minute and put it in perspective. This is more Kafka s. This is actually ten times worse than I think people even imagine. Given the great reporting that Naomi Wolf had, that Darren yeah. Beatty and Revolver had. I mean, yeah. now it's actually out, and, and now it's actually there, and 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 for all to see. This is yeah. this is your worst nightmare. Your worst nightmare is a reality. Absolutely. I mean, the structure of it was clear based on previous documents, based on re our reporting. But what's useful about this recent um, uh, major report from The Intercept is that it includes non-public information, leaked documents and text messages that actually show specifically how the sausage is made and the specific actors. And it's amazing. It's not just people from the tech firms uh, colluding with people in the DHS. There are people present in many of these meetings from J.P. Morgan. Now that's bizarre in its own right. Why are why are J.P. Morgan representatives taking an increasingly active role in these censorship conversations? Could it have anything to do with the recent, actually not so recent, unfortunately, but the accelerating trend of debanking as a, yet another tool that the regime uses to destroy anyone who dares question it? Um, so basically, all the important institutions from the healthcare institutions, big pharma, the big banks like JP Morgan and big tech, they're sitting at the table. They're sitting at the round table with the Biden regime Ministry of Truth propaganda arm housed within the DHS. And as we've been saying for a long time at Revolver, the DHS the Department of Homeland Security is the tip of the spear when it comes to the reorienting of the national security state as a weapon against the American people. And this is a prime example of just precisely how that functions and how that operates. How do you give me a couple of minutes on um, on how do you one get your arms around it? But the uh, Truth and Reconciliation <laughs> Committee that we right. have to have. Starting, you know, the 14th, you've got Judiciary and Oversight, which is very unique. Joint press conference. Talk about a construct going forward on Hunter Biden. Let's be blunt. That's a shot across the bow to say, hey, an impeachment's coming, right? Because this is going to be the second article of impeachment. It'll be six months, nine months, eight months after a thorough investigation and not political, but really on facts. How do you do the same thing here? Tell me the Darren Beatty uh, structure of how you go about sorting this out. Well, first of all, we need full transparency. We need to see all these documents. We need to see a very, very aggressive move in order to unearth all communication that exhibits this collusive behavior between the government and between big tech. Because in a way, it's like they, they screwed up here. They had a good thing going when they were just playing footsie, big tech, you know, they could have done it the way that they did it for a long time, which is that it's not the government doing active direction, but big tech knows what the government wants. And there's a revolving door between, say, the State Department and the trust and safety people at the various tech companies. With this dis 
disinformation governance board and with a more aggressive posture toward censorship and narrative control through the government itself, through DHS, they're opening themselves up to a whole host of things, including First Amendment violations. So I think the first thing is we, we've only seen we've only seen a very small fraction of exactly what the extent is of this collusion. I hope that, you know, now that Elon has Twitter, he's going to release a lot of the documents that demonstrate what that collusion is. I, I think we need to use the power of Congress to the extent possible to subpoena records that would give us a full account of the government pressuring big tech to censor in specific issues. And then we need to drill down to specific people because a reckoning is only as powerful as it is specific, and we need we need some scalps here. I think we need we, we need we scalps. Need and we're going to get we scalps. Beret. Yeah. We need uh, uh, yeah. senior officials at the DHS going all the way back under Trump. And this is a point I wanted to come back to. A lot of this was happening under Trump. So imagine the lesson that we need to take home from this is that we had Trump in the White House. And while Trump was in the White House, you had uh, Stephen D'Antuono and Christopher Ray plotting the fake Michigan kidnapping thing. That was under Trump. And then you had the DHS, which was plotting to censor anyone who would dare question the results of the forthcoming election. So you had all of this stuff going on across the bureaucracies while Trump was president. Can you only imagine how bad it is now under Biden? We just get a little taste. But you of know that. what? Hey, it, it, listen, the, 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 this is one of the things we fought when I was in the White House to get him to sit there and get the information. His, this yeah. is chief, his chief of staff, the people around him. Come on. This stuff yeah. is not that hard. to If you if you drill down on this, this is you got it will hold judgment on this. But you got to, you know, we can't accept this and we certainly can't accept it going forward. It's not acceptable. Should yeah. the I keep saying the appropriations process is the anvil. The investigations are the hammer. Yep. Should we use the you know, when they say, you know, we can say pretty, please, please turn it over. Should DHS's budget be completely zeroed? No appropriations until they turn over a massive, basically data room laundry list of stuff to the appropriate committees, Darren Beatty. I mean, in my view, absolutely. In my view, every piece of leverage that could plausibly be marshaled to begin the difficult but absolutely necessary process of house cleaning and disinfecting needs to be exercised. Leave nothing on the table. Every piece of leverage that we have, we need to use. Now, the question is threatening, you know, total, uh, total cutoff of funds. Is that realistic? Are people on board? We can only use the amount of leverage that people, and that is to say our elected officials, are willing to go out on a limb for. But from my perspective, this is a fight worth having. The January 6th fight is absolutely a fight worth having. We need to go after Merrick Garland needs to be one of these scalps. He needs to be impeached. He needs to go. He needs to learn his lesson from his decades of criminal activity and malfeasance. But he's not the only one. DHS needs to learn the whole national security state, because here's what happened. Yeah. The DHS was created under Bush as a basically a bureaucracy to prosecute the war on terror. That grift, that scam is done. And so they're reimagining the DHS for a new war on terror. And that's to terrorize American citizens who yeah. dare question yeah. these criminal scumbags who yeah. run the regime. Yeah.
First off, the size of it's 275,000 people. It ought to be cut down to 100,000. Just take and, out. You know, the two, DHS, two everyone knows seat. this. No, I don't want to offend anyone. Everyone knows this. DHS is very low on the hierarchy in, within the Intel community. It's probably one of the lowest IQ national security bureaucracies we have, if not the lowest. Oh, big time. So, it's the worst. It's far. the lowest IQs, no doubt. Yeah, the That's lowest. Wanted to hang over a second. I, I want to go to uh, Paulo Figueiredo. Uh, in, from uh, Brazil, one of the most prominent uh, media personalities down there. A couple hours ago, uh, President Bolsonaro came to the sticks, talked for all of, I think, two minutes. People still don't really understand what he said. But my question is, is this Brazilian spring? Did we have, is this the beginning of, of, of the Brazilian spring? Because the people are rising up. Uh, he did not concede. His spokesman came up right afterwards, his chief communications person, who's kind of, I think, a squish and said, oh, he's going to start a transition process. But is this it's still up in the air? I mean, can you actually interpret what happened? And are we seeing in the streets of Brazil the Brazilian spring? Well, Steve, uh, the country is definitely in a turmoil and uh, it, it looks like the beginning of a revolution. But the, the question is, is there a leader for the revolution? Because. Uh, the president just gave a very, very brief uh, earlier this afternoon, a very brief uh, speech. It was only two minutes, like you said. Um, he pretty much said that he, all, he always followed the Constitution and he will always follow the Constitution until the end of his term. But he didn't concede. He thanked the votes that he got. Uh, he said there's an expression in Portuguese that you're playing within the four lines. That's a, a reference to a soccer feud. That means you're playing by the book, by the rules. And he always played by the book, by the rules. Uh, and he said he's going to respect Brazilian democracy. He, he has always been able as someone undemocratic, but he said, unlike his accusers, he always respected the Constitution and he will keep respecting it. And then he said the uh, pretty much that he support the demonstrations if they're peaceful. If they're peaceful, he supports it, which is it's kind of like similar to what Donald Trump did. He supports peaceful demonstrations. He said that conservatives and the right and that now Brazil has an actual right. Uh, he said that Brazil, uh, the right can't use the same methods as the left. So he said we we have to respect uh, the but, but property. that's that's, that's pretty. I mean, he says he says I respect I respect uh, the Constitution. We're going to play inside the four lines. We're going to play by the rules. They have the rule of law. I respect democracy, and I want things to be peaceful. But he didn't concede, yes. and he didn't say anything about transition. His spokesman came up, and even that's kind of garbled. Are we going to see Palo? In your opinion, this military is supposed to do an audit. They have a uh, first. Uh, they have a top secret report from the first. They have not released. Do you see an audit going on? And your best guess, where does this go from here? Well, here's the thing. There's, there's been the, the military is part of a, of a board that supervise the transparency of the elections. It's an official board. And we have the military as a part of this board and including the Supreme Electoral Courts and everyone, everyone else. They claim they don't have a report because the Supreme Court asked them for a copy of the report and they, they gave them 48 hours for, uh, to deliver the report, the Ministry of Defense. And they said, no, we don't have any reports. We're just following the elections the same way as you guys are doing. 
so there's there have been rumors of a top secret report, but no one ever saw it. And so far, from what I've been talking to government officials, no one has any actual proof of fraud. The main issue is not if there was actual if there was an actual fraud in the counting uh, in the counting process, uh, because that's only part of it. The election was very unfair for, since the beginning. Bolsonaro uh, played and and ran under different rules from every other candidate, including Lula, but also candidates in other elections. So the main claim here is that this was an unfair election. And I could give you examples. Uh, he had way less airtime than he was supposed to to have when he uh, when he uh, went to court. To fight it, the court dismissed the case. I'm, I'm sure this sounds familiar, court dismissing cases against a yeah. conservative candidate without yeah. even looking at it. Uh, but And 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 several other instances, a lot of his supporters were arrested. Uh, some businessmen that supported him were arrested, well, at least had their yeah. assets frozen and were uh, subject of, uh, of, uh, of uh, search warrants. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're familiarized on how the deep state prosecutes yeah. and go after uh, supporters of a conservative president. Paolo, what is your social media? When all our audience, I already say you do things in Portuguese, but how do people follow you? Because this is I'm, only going I'm to get bigger social. as this story is only going to get bigger. It will. Uh, I'm on every social media at at Rio P and then my last name, which is on the screen right now. It's F-I-G. U E I R E D O. So at Rio P Figueiredo. Paolo, thank you very much for joining us here. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Let me go back to Darren Beatty before before we wrap up tonight. Darren, is this the beginning? You're seeing, you know, Paolo just said you got a revolution that's starting, but no leader. Do you see this as the Brazilian Spring? So give me 30 seconds before we, we leave for the night. I certainly hope it is, but as he pointed out, needs absolutely confident and relentless leadership. And so I think that's what the Brazilian people deserve, and I hope that's what they get, and I hope Bolsonaro is prepared to provide that. Darren, how do people, uh, on so many topics, you guys are the tip of the spear. Where do they go to get Revolver, and where do they follow you on social? Revolver.news, and I'm very proud to say that our long-awaited next major piece on January 6th in the pipe bomb is coming out tonight. So check it out. I hope I can wow. come by tomorrow and discuss it. It's been I in the works for a long we're, time. We're booking, no, we're booking, we're booking you right now. We're going to book Darren B. He's going to be back with us tomorrow morning. We'll figure out a time. Have Amazing. It. I've been waiting for this one. See you then. Richard Barris is going to kick things off with the polling. We're going to see it's breaking hard MAGA. That'll be the headline tomorrow morning. Also, Carrie Lake on, on Getter. We got Carrie Lake's uh, with Charlie Kirk tonight later. See you tomorrow.